It's a good day, yeah? I don't think we've said that yet today. Have we said it a lot together? Nope, Lillian says we haven't. So, one, two, three, it's a? It is a good day because Lillian said so. So it is. Uh, this is the moment when if you have a smartphone or your tablet, you want to open up your Evangel app and you can find on there all the information that you need and also the scriptures and the stuff that we're going to be looking at today as we look at God's word. And that just gives you a chance to be able to follow along with what we're doing if that's helpful for you as you go. Sometimes we put links in the app as well of different articles and stuff that I reference. And so you can just see that on there on the Evangel app as you uh, take a look at that this morning. But we're continuing with this series that we've been uh, working on for the last few weeks called the unforced rhythms of grace the unforced rhythms of grace isn't this how nice and we've been talking about how we have this we have this foundation some of us in our lives and, and we're just trying to build on that and expand on that because it's sometimes as Christians and as followers of Jesus we um, simplify our faith or we bring it down to something that's actually smaller than it's supposed to be Sometimes we, we, we bring it down to something that is just, well, our faith or being a follower of Jesus just means sin management, right? I'm just going to, I'm going to stop sinning. I'm going to acknowledge my sin. I'm going to repent of my sin, ask God to forgive my sin, and then I'm going to not sin anymore. And then, ah, I sinned again, and we cycle back around again. And we end up making that the whole of our faith, which is kind of exhausting and a little depressing and leaves me at least going, shouldn't there be more than this? if we're serving the God of the universe. And then some of us, you know, we take our, we take our faith in a different direction and we simplify it down to those really um, powerful, radical, emotional moments that just deeply impact our lives. And they could be a huge experience that really matters to us and something that we hang on to, but, but we can, we can um, simplify or reduce our faith to just those moments. And it ends up making us just driving us to always seek another moment, another moment, another moment. I need an another spiritual high. I need another big experience. And then if we don't have moments like that, we're left going, I don't know what's left in my faith. And again, I end up with the question, shouldn't, shouldn't there be more than this if we're following Jesus? And so this series of, of the unforced rhythms of grace is looking at the ways that Jesus taught us to live. Like live our lives as simply as breathing in and out and just going through our days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, on we go, and living our lives with this awareness of God's presence. And so we've been looking at this scripture, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, where Jesus said, are you tired? And we all went, yeah. Are you worn out, burned out on religion? And he just, you just picture him looking at the crowd going, just come to me. Just come to me. Uh, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Just, just keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And we end up just going... Oh, yeah, that sounds, that sounds good. That's better than the, the reduced versions of faith that we sometimes get stuck with. And so we're kind of going through week by week different of these rhythms, these unforced rhythms of grace that we can include in our lives, spiritual practices that just help us to live our lives 
as Jesus taught us to live. So last week, we, we looked at a bunch of S words. We looked, at, we looked at Sabbath, first of all, and we didn't spend much time on that because we did spend a bunch of time on that in the summer. But just looking at one day a week, just one day in our week that is not our regular job, not our regular work, and that is intentional about inviting God into that day and be maybe beginning and ending that day going, God, please be present. Help me to be aware of you as we go throughout our day. Just one day a week, a Sabbath, and, and, and because it's been been modeled by God because he instructed us to keep a Sabbath and because it's a gift. It's not supposed to be a heavy weight, something that goes on us like you're not allowed to, you know, you need to sit very still. We talked about all that. It's a gift from the God who is outside of time and who looks at us existing within time and says, you know, I've already given you all the time you need to be and do who I've called you to be and do. It's quite a challenge, really, this idea of Sabbath. It's also quite a gift. So we talked about that S word. And then we talked about a few other S words last Sunday. We looked at silence and solitude with a side of scripture, which was a lot of S's there. And we talked about this idea of Christian meditation or contemplative prayer and just being silent, having times where we are just silent with God, times when we are just alone in solitude with God because we're in a world that usually is pretty noisy and pretty crowded and what that can look like. And we said Christian meditation or contemplative prayer is different than, than meditation in other traditions or other forms of meditation. We're not looking to empty our minds and, and lose our personality and become one or subordinate to some impersonal universal force. That's not what we're talking about. Christian meditation. As Christians, we guard our hearts and our minds. And so Christian meditation or contemplative prayer is to, is to look for more of God within, even while we're being silent. And so it may be that we turn our minds and we focus on who God is, and we just take time silently and just contemplate who God is, that he's all-powerful, that he's loving, that he's faithful, that our God is good, those kinds of things. Or maybe that we turn our minds towards a specific scripture and just, just one phrase in a scripture and, and not trying to, you know, dissect it and, and figure out point one, two, and three and how should it be preached, something like that, but just letting that scripture, those words of life, just soak into our souls while we wait in silence. We said last week that sometimes uh, in silence and solitude, we can focus on the creation that God's given us because God's the one that made it. And Jesus said, look at the birds. Jesus said, pay attention to flowers. Apparently, he thought there was something we could learn from just, just contemplating creation and just, just hearing it and smelling it and seeing it and welcoming that as we just wait in silence. We talked about last week that in silence and solitude, we can listen for God to speak because sometimes he does. Somebody said, and, and we talked about how sometimes we go, I don't think God is speaking to me. Well, sometimes we don't stop talking. And maybe he would like to say something. So, so we kind of talked about all that last week. And then, and then uh, this week I got a text on my phone. And the text that said, it was about halfway through the week, and it said, by the way, I've been practicing silence in the truck first thing in the mornings this week. It has helped my stress levels lessen. How many know who that came from? The trucker I'm married to? <laughs> 
And I was so encouraged. He sent me this text, and he said, and then we, we talked a little bit about it, and he, he said, you know what? There's so much noise in my day. My, no, my, my day is just filled with, with sound and just go, go, go. And he said, you know, one day I actually went to turn my radio on, and I felt like I heard this little, what are you doing? Why are you turning the radio on? Just, just shh, you know? And he said, so I turned it off, and I had silence for a while. And it's really, it's really helping me to grow. That's what Jeff said to me this week. And that encouraged me because I, I, I said this last week that I, I, I'm a person that's quite happy, you know, sitting still and just being quiet. I'm all, that's, I mean, that is my happy place. Jeff, on the other hand, just explodes with action and movement and sound. And, and so it's encouraging to me to go, well, you know, even, even for somebody that's a different personality than me, there's benefit to silence and solitude. And so, so we talked about that a bit. And actually, you know what? That, we're going to actually do it again right now, this morning in the service. And some of you have gone, oh, she forgot we did that last week. We already did that. We checked that off the list. We're not trying to check off a list here. We're not trying to cram our heads full of, of head knowledge and check items. That We're trying to figure out how do we integrate these moments into our lives. How do we integrate these unforced rhythms of grace into our lives? And it seems to me that the best way to learn how to do that is to, you know, just do it. So, so let's this morning. It'll just be for a couple minutes, and then we'll, and then we'll go on. But here's, here's what you're going to do, okay? Set your phone down. Trust me turn it and some of you are like I'm just I just got to finish this one text set your phone down okay and 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 sit comfortably whatever that looks like for you you might want to just readjust a little you might want to you might want to sit up straighter or you might want to bow your head you might want to open your hands you might want to close your eyes or there's going to be a scripture on the screen in a moment you might want to focus on that but just just get yourself okay I'm settled and I'm comfortable and then just take a deep breath like all the way in and let it out, okay? And some of you are going, I don't know what's going to happen next, and you're still breathing fast. Just try to slow it down a little bit. Just take a nice deep breath. And we're going to begin with, with a clear start. God... We want to learn how to be present with you. Settle my thoughts. Stop my phone from buzzing. Help me to just learn how to be quiet and silent with you just for a few moments. And then we just wait in stillness for a bit. Maybe you're going to consider the scripture that we looked at last week from Isaiah. In quietness and confidence is your strength. Then we just wait quietly again. When a distraction pops up, we just go, God, would you just handle that? I'm going to put it to the side. Bring yourself back in quietness 
and confidence is my strength. Just let your mind settle down. For some of us, it's the first time in a week that we've had quiet. And quietness, confidence is my strength. God, as we learn how to do this, I'm asking that you would help us to hear your voice over time in our own homes, in our trucks, in our spaces. Help us to learn what it is to be silent, to have solitude with you, and to be present with you, even as we go on with our gathering this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. See, we just did that for a minute or two. You could do that for 5, 10, even 20 minutes. Just being silent with God. January the 1st this year, 2019, something new appeared in my Instagram feed. And it has been there every day since then. Every day since January the 1st, something has popped up in my Instagram feed called 365 Days of Gratitude. And it's from some user called the, the wait, I lost it, the G-dubs. The G-dubs is the username. And if you don't know who the G-dubs is, it's actually Cheryl Ann Gundry-White, who's here in our church. And she has been posting every single day of this year in 2019. Every day she posts something that starts with, today I am thankful for. And she's doing it for a year, 365 days of gratitude. So I, I scrolled through and went backwards and went to see what it is she's been posting. And she's posted, for example, today, I'm grateful for God providing cool, free resources and ideas to creatively teach my classes. And then on another day, she said, today, I am grateful that I was able to celebrate the joining of lives between two very special people. She was at a wedding. And then on another day, she said, today... I am grateful for the kindness and generosity of a stranger who, as I was shopping today, randomly came over and gave me coupons worth $20 for the stuff I was buying. How many go, I get to shop with the G-dubs more often, right? She said, to, on one day, she said, today, I'm grateful for insurance companies. I thought, wow, that's good. And then she said, today, I am grateful for quality time with my wonderful mom. And my favorite one, which was not in this season, but clearly was in the winter that seemingly had no end last year. She said, today at minus 24 degrees, I'm grateful that someone invented vehicles with seat warmers. Hallelujah. Right? Sherilyn is practicing gratitude. She's practicing 
thankfulness. It's a spiritual practice. It's one of these unforced rhythms of grace that we're going to look at. And this is what we're going to look at today. And there's all kinds of places in scripture where it talks about this. And you all know that, but I'm still going to cover some of it anyway. So we opened our service this morning with Psalm 100, which says, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth, worship the Lord with gladness, come before him singing with joy, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us, we are his, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture, and then enter his gates with what? With thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give what? Thanks to him. Twice it's thanks. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. And there's just so much in this psalm. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time with it, but even as you go through it, you can see that Psalm 100 hopefully is a pretty good outline of a lot of what we do when we gather together on a Sunday morning right here in this space. We shout with joy. I mean, if nothing else, we go, it's a good day. We shout with joy. We worship with gladness and sing with joy. We're very intentional to bring joy into our services on Sunday mornings, into our gatherings on Sunday mornings, and we include singing in that. And for some people who've never been here before, you go, this is weird. It's weird that a group of people come together and they just they just sing like some kind of, is this karaoke? What is this that is happening? You don't understand. And if you've never been to something like this, it's an absolutely reasonable response. It's a reasonable question to say, why on earth do you do that? But music is a gift from God. And it's a language that somehow seems to transcend all the other languages. It becomes something that stirs our souls. It becomes something that, that pulls us together and it speaks to all of us, just about all of us in some way. And so when we sing together and we sing as an expression of worship to God, we can all join in together. With that, we can, we can participate whether we're playing an instrument or we're singing. And it doesn't matter if we're great singers or really, you know, better in the shower. It doesn't really matter because we can all do it together and we can bring into, we can come into unity together worshiping our God. And it's something that we can do together. We can't all talk at once, but we can all worship and sing together at once. And so that's why we do that. And then, and then the psalm goes on and it says, acknowledge that the Lord is God, we belong to him. And then it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come into God's presence with gratitude. It's the right thing to do. It's the appropriate way to come into God's presence is with thanks. Give thanks to him and praise his name, this scripture says. And it's not just an attitude. It's not just this inner, yes, I feel thankful today. It's an actual action. It's a verb. Give thanks to him. Praise his name. This intentional expressed gratitude is part of coming into God's presence. Now, some of us, we do this just as kind of um, kind of a small talk thing. You know, it's the first thing that you do, but it doesn't really matter. It's like when you come up to somebody and you start talking to them, and you go, hey, how you doing? Yeah, the weather's great. Love it. Okay, good. Yeah, good to see you. And then we get on to what really the important thing is in our conversation. Some of us do that with gratitude with God. We, we, it's kind of unimportant. We're just trying to be polite. Hey, God, thanks for everything. You know, weather's good. Good to see you. Now, can we get to what's really important? Can we get to the thing that's on my mind, on my heart, that my needs, my complaints, my, my problems, all of my concerns, all of that. But God's word says to actually begin with thanks. A regular, intentional, daily habit 
of gratitude. Psalm 103, verse 2 says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget, never forget the good things he does for me. And we go, yes, I will never forget. I never forget, never forget what God, but we do. We do forget what God, it's incredible how fast we forget. How many times, not you, but the person beside you, how many times have you heard a story of somebody, you know, I got this answer to prayer or God just met me in this moment or I had this, I had this thing happen and I just knew that God was present in it and I will never forget. I just know that God is there and this spoke to me and it's so powerful. And a day and a half later, we've completely forgotten about it. We're complaining and we're grumbling. What has God done for me lately? I don't know. And blah, blah. And we forget that God is good. We forget that God is faithful. We forget that his love for us never, ever changes. And practicing gratitude reminds us of the good things that God has done. When we practice gratitude, it reminds us of the stuff that we forget so quickly. There's another part in Scripture in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, which is um, a letter in the New Testament. So, so the Bible's divided into Old Testament, New Testament, and Jesus is the dividing point before and after. And after, you have these churches that are being started in different places, and there's letters written to those different churches. And one of those letters is 1 Thessalonians. In chapter 5, it's written by the Apostle Paul, and he writes to a church, and he's just giving them some basic, hey, live like this, do that, and he gives them a list. So he goes, you know, you need to honor, respect, and love your leaders. Good. And then he says, uh, live peacefully with each other. Yep, we could do that. And then he says, encourage those who are timid. Oh, for sure. Absolutely, we can do that. Take care of those who are weak. Oh, absolutely. Got that. Check. Be patient with everyone. I mean, everybody. <laughs> And then he goes, don't pay back evil for evil, but always try, always try to do good. Oh, that's hard. But I'll, okay, I'll try. And then he says in verse 16, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. Well, that's just great. How many here always feel joyful? Anybody? Okay, there's a few of you. We'll ask your family members if that's true. Okay? And somebody goes, does this mean that I have to, I'm not allowed to say when I'm hurting. I need to just, you know, oh, everything's fine. You know, when your voice goes to that really high register, I'm fine. Everything's Nothing could possibly. I'm not allowed to bring my real needs, my struggles, the things I'm, I'm hurting. I'm not allowed to bring that to God. Am I just supposed to fake it as part of my faith? Because that doesn't seem very authentic. No, 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 no. There's lots of examples in Scripture. The Psalms are full of prayers that are honestly a little bit uncomfortable because some of them are so difficult to read. But they are prayers that boil down to, God, I'm going to die. I'm struggling and I'm suffering, and I can't find you. There's lots of that in Scripture. And we are encouraged, bring to God who you are. Be who you are with God, and don't be afraid to say the reality that you're dealing with. But there is, but there is 
this ongoing encouragement through scripture, even as we're acknowledging I'm having a hard time, I'm struggling, whatever, all of these things, there's still this ongoing thread through scripture, this encouragement to just push back and don't let the, don't let the struggle be the story. Don't let the, the challenges be, be the narrative. Push back as you're able. Be joyful and keep praying and be thankful as much as possible. Make that your habit. Make that your practice. And it, and it goes on and says some other things in it. So there's this whole list that Paul gives in 1 Thessalonians 5. And in case that list becomes a bit overwhelming and feels like a to-do list that's right up there with, you know, sin management. Oh, i got to do this and this and this. I can't do it all. He ends off in verse 23 by saying, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. And we're just going to put it up on the screen. God will make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. God will make this happen. He's got this. He's the one that's calling us. He's the one that's shaping us. God's got you. And it just directs us right back to this truth that God is the one who who is working in our lives and is doing what he wants to do in our lives as we allow him to. And we just need to join in with it. And practicing gratitude is part of that. Practicing thankfulness is part of that. In the Old Testament of the Bible, there was this guy, his name was Daniel. And lots of you have heard of him. And he was a Jewish man who was in exile in a foreign country. And his story is just incredible to read. But, but he, he rose to a top position in the ancient government of Babylon. And he got this reputation in that government position in a foreign land, a foreign country, where his faith isn't even respected. He gets this reputation that caused one of the kings that he worked for throughout his tenure, one of them to say this about Daniel. I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you. And that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. I mean, wouldn't you love if your boss said that about you? I have heard about you. Well, I mean, I just want to. And it's this incredible reputation that Daniel has. And you go, how on earth did he rise to this, to this level of respect in, in a foreign place where people didn't even understand his faith? And, and I, there's a, maybe probably a bunch of different reasons, but maybe there's a clue to it in the very next chapter, in Daniel chapter 6, where it says, three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. This lifelong, not just daily, three times daily, habit of, of just thanking God, of praying. He got right down on his knees. I mean, it was so intentional. Three times a day, getting down on his knees, praying, and giving thanks to God, day after day after day. It's this habit, this practice, this rhythm of gratitude that he had going on in his life. And, of course, Jesus practiced gratitude as well. It was one of his rhythms. He modeled it. It wasn't just an inner heart attitude that he hoped people would notice. He did it right out loud. And so, so he, there's this story in Mark chapter 6, and, and lots of you have heard it, a story. There's this huge crowd of people listening to Jesus, and he's talking, and it's a long day, and it's maybe hot out, and the whole crowd is there. And as time goes by, you start hearing the little rumblings of their stomach, right? They're getting hungry, and, and there's no food. And Jesus says to his disciples, well, hey, you know, you should actually just, could you just get them some food? And they're like, where am I going to get food? There's no Costco's clothes. I didn't renew my membership. I don't know what to do. And then they go, I mean, there's this, there's this kid 
here and he brought his own lunch and he says he'll share, <laughs> I mean, with this crowd, right? And Jesus goes, oh, great, that'll do. Tell the people to grab a seat. And then, now, now lots of you know how the story ends, you know, Jesus, and they pass out the food and 5,000 people are fed with this little kid's lunch. But lots of us miss the part in the middle before the miracle happened. Before there was any sign that anything interesting was about to happen, before any of that, it says in verse 41, taking the five loaves and the two fish, this kid's lunch, taking this kid's lunch and looking up to heaven, Jesus did what? It's on the screen. He gave thanks. He gave thanks and he broke the loaves and then he gave them to the disciples to give, to distribute to the people. He paused in this moment before anything exciting happened and visibly out loud, it seems, he, he said, I'm going to pause and thank God for something so simple as just lunch. And, and, and then when his friend Lazarus had died, and, and lots of us know this story as well, and, and there's in the end, the end of the story is he raises him from the dead, so that's huge. But before that answer came, Jesus is standing there in front of the tomb. There's a dead body in there. Everybody's grieving around, and, and Jesus prays this prayer, and he does it right out loud. It says, Jesus looked up and said what? Father, okay, this side's got it. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And then he gets a, I, I just can't read this without a little smile happening. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here so they can believe that you sent me. I mean, that's, that's a bit of a fun prayer. It's a prayer of thanks. It's a little tongue in cheek with a little aside to the people that are listening. But even there, even in that context of grief and hurt and pain, Jesus is modeling gratitude. And of course, at the Passover supper, which we participated in uh, just a week or two ago, it, we read that story of the Last Supper, and it said Jesus took the bread and he took the wine. And when he had given thanks, he models this. This is a regular rhythm of his life. It was as natural as breathing for Jesus, this practice of gratitude. So when we started this series, I recommended a number of um, books or resources that you might find helpful as we go through it. And one of them was a book called Survival Guide for the Soul by Ken Shigematsu, who is a pastor and leader out in British Columbia here in Canada. And, and we do have that book in. Finally, it came and we can sell it to you if, you, if you're interested. But I found online an interview that he did with Lorna Duick at, on 100 Huntley Street. It was just a fantastic little clip where he talks about uh, some of what he says in the book, but he talks about this practice of gratitude, this rhythm of gratitude. I'd just like you to see that just now. Well, we want to give you some good advice for thriving spiritually with Pastor Ken Shigematsu. And Ken, let's start with, let's start with this bread. And what does this actually remind us of? Or what could it remind us of that keeps us alive spiritually? Well, it could remind us that we ate today, hopefully we ate today, and that as we go to sleep that we'll eat again tomorrow because God will provide, God will nourish our bodies and our souls. And you're leading us to say thankfulness, mm -hmm. like be thankful. You had right. enough bread today, yeah. you mm -hmm. ate today, yeah. you'll eat again tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So describe this spiritual practice of thankfulness and what it can do for us. In the evening, I pray a 500-year-old prayer called the Prayer of Examine, introduced by St. Ignatius of Loyola. And this prayer, as I describe in the book, causes us to look back over the last day and to identify two or three things that felt like gifts from God. 
So recently I've been thanking God for the opportunity to swim in the morning in an outdoor pool, a, a meaningful conversation I've had with a colleague, a delicious meal with my wife and, and young son. And this may sound like a ridiculously simple practice, but when we give thanks for a few things, take five minutes to do that, it will actually change the way we go through the world. And even if we have to write them down, because mm -hmm. we might be grumpy and whatever, but write down yes. that I'm thankful for this. I'm mm -hmm. thankful that I ate today. I'm thankful that mm -hmm. whatever, I had a car or whatever it may be. It also cultivates humility, mm -hmm. you just say. And why is humility a good thing to cultivate along with thankfulness? Humility reminds us that all that we've been given is, is a gift from God. And this, this Thanksgiving exercise sounds simple, but it primes us to see the good things in our world. You mentioned, I think, a car a moment ago. I've got a colleague who is in the market right now for an Austin Cooper Mini. And so when she's out on the road, all she sees are Austin Mini Coopers. It's not like there are more of these cars on the road. She just notices them. And when we engage in a simple Thanksgiving exercise, we start to notice more of the good things in our world. And when we associate those good things with God's gift for us, then we have this new sense of being awakened to God's love for us. It's just an amazing thought, just this new sense of being awakened to God's love for us. And then Ken goes on in his actual book, and he quotes uh, somebody else, another Christian leader, just saying this simple thing of it's not joy that makes us grateful, it's gratitude that makes us joyful. It's not joy that makes us grateful. It's gratitude that makes us joyful. And when we intentionally practice gratitude, we're going to find probably the few things start, sh start shaping, start changing in our lives. We're going to start noticing more and more things to be thankful for. As we go looking for things to be thankful for and expressing those things to God, we're going to start noticing more and more things to be thankful for. We're also going to start noticing God more. We're going to start noticing his presence in our lives because we're going to be just responding to God. God, thank you so much for this for lunch. Thank you so much for uh, this tree that I'm looking at. It's so beautiful and it's really beautiful outlined against the sky. Thank you so much. And the more we do that, the more we're going to become aware of God's presence with us and we're going to live with that awareness of his presence. And then we're going to start becoming shaped and we're going to become more contented, less entitled, not you, the person beside you, Le less demanding, less envious, not comparing ourselves, we're just going to be contented. We're going to start becoming more like Jesus. So we're going to try it right now. And there's going to be two parts to it, okay, and it's, it's going to be okay. So the first one, it's going to be on our own, and I'm just going to invite you to just, again, settle in comfortably where you are. We won't be so silent, but, but take a look back over your last 24 hours, okay? Take a deep breath and picture mm, yesterday morning, Saturday morning. If, if Saturday was just awful and you're pretty sure you can't think of anything to be thankful for, go back 48 hours, okay? But go back to yesterday morning and, and start and go, did something happen Saturday morning that I can be thankful for? Something that brought me joy. Maybe it was a moment with your baby or a, a great breakfast or, um, you know, just, just some kind of an activity that happened. Something that brought you joy yesterday morning. And when it kind of comes up, just, just whisper, God, thank you for that. 
And then move forward in your day yesterday to Saturday afternoon. And again, there's something that just rises to the surface, something that brought you joy or that you were thankful for, something simple. God, thank you for that. Just whisper that prayer. God, thank you for that. Yesterday evening, Saturday evening, was there was there something? Just reviewing through the day, through the evening. God, thank you for that conversation. Thank you for that sunset. Thank you for that tasty meal. Overnight and even this morning on your way to church. Something come to the surface. Something that brought joy. God, thank you for that. That's part one of what we're doing this morning. Now here's part two. We talked about in Psalm 100 verse 5 that, that the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. The problem is None of us are all the generations. None of us are all the experiences. None of us have all the experiences or are all the people. But, but each of us together, we could come together. But I can't know that God's faithfulness is good for everybody. I can't know that God's faithfulness continues through all generations unless I hear your stories of gratitude and you hear mine. So Jeff and I have a thing that we do randomly at least once a week and sometimes more often where we just look at each other and there's not even warning. And we just go, three things you're thankful for, go. And we each have to say, three things we're thankful for. And it gently pushes us to remember and to express gratitude and to remember what God has done because we forget. And to get in this rhythm, this habit of sharing with somebody else what it is that I'm thankful for and expressing gratitude. So we're going to do that. So I'm going to ask if you would stand at this moment. Stand up. And you're like, all of us? All of you. Right? If you're able... And if you don't want to participate in this, you don't have to. It's safe space. We don't, we don't put the pressure on. But the 99.9% .9 of you that can you just gather in small groups right now, okay? And you're going to just go, three things you're thankful for, go. And some of you are going to say, well, I can only think of one or two things. That's fine. Some of you can think of 10, and you should not run the whole conversation. Just pick one or two, okay? Ready? Gather in small groups. I'll pull you back together in a couple minutes. Three things you're thankful for, go. Only one minute left. Talk faster.
30 seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Now, God, as we close our service together, some of us are going to keep talking because we got so much to be thankful for. We just can't hold it in. But God, would you help us as we go out into our world, into our workplace, into our families, our neighborhoods, and our classes? Would you help us to do good? Would you help us to love each other? Would you help us to reveal Jesus and help us to live life with this unforced rhythm of gratitude for this world and this life that you've given each of us? I ask you to bless each one. Go with us as we go and bring us back safely next week. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to receive prayer, there'll be people at the prayer stations. They're happy to pray with you. You can finish saying the things you're thankful for. Say hi to each other. God bless you. We'll see you next Sunday.